1: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Mr.
0: Carson Cressley. Yeah, that's me. Thanks for having me. I hope you're doing great today.
1: What is going on with you? Where are you? What is up? Tell me everything, Carson.
0: I am... Um I am in LA. I'm getting ready to work on a project. Um, and then, um, hopefully we'll be doing another, um, more RuPaul's drag race after that. And then, um, I am, I getting ready to launch another season of barbecue brawl on food network in May. So I've been a busy lady.
1: Do you love doing barbecue brawl? (laughs) Is
0: that just so much fun? Um, you know, I've never done, um, a food show. I've done like Beat Bobby Flay. And I've done cameos on Food Network shows. And then I did um, Worst Cooks in America Celebrity Edition, which was really fun. It was before the pandemic. And it actually taught me how to like make some basic things like how to chop an onion and how to use a stove, like things that you never really learn. And then you have a chef teaching you. It was so uh, impactful. I used it so much during lockdown. And then I was kind of inspired. And then a friend of mine, uh, Bobby Flay, was like, "I'm doing the show. Will you be on it?" And he goes, "We know you're not a food expert." I was like, "Honey, I've been eating since I was a baby. I'll be just fine." So I loved doing it. It made me very chubby because I was not a food show expert. So I didn't know that you have a bite of it, and then you like either spit it out or whatever. I would eat like the, you know, they would give you like a top sized plate of like a rib and some macaroni and cheese and maybe like an apple pie that somebody made in a cast iron skillet on their grill. And I was like, this is delicious. I would eat the whole thing. They're like, "Okay, now we're going to eat it again on camera. And I was like, what? So I was eating like, you know, 10 little plates of food every day, um, you know, two or three times, depending on how many challenges there were. And I just, I hated to waste food. And no one gave me the memo about like not getting as much. So um, I did get a little chunky on that uh, particular show, but I love doing it to answer your question.
1: Well, listen, we all got chunky, you know, it's COVID, but you know, I I think you look fine. We're all in our sedentary lifestyle. Totally. Well, listen, you could have called your friend Padma Carson. I mean, you have that Bravo connection. I do. Yeah. When you look back at the beginning at Queer Eye, it's almost 20 years ago now. Like, do you remember that time vividly or does that just seem like another lifetime to you?
0: Um, yeah, it'll be 20 years actually next July when the show aired, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. But we started making it actually 20 years ago. We did a pilot in Boston. I remember all of the stuff leading up to the show. I remember having like quit my job at Ralph Lauren. I remember. Um, the show airing, I remember getting our first plane ticket to go to LA. Like, I think the show aired on a Wednesday and like that Friday we were doing the tonight show with Jay Leno, which was like mind boggling. And we're going to do Ellen and just like, what? So I remember Bravo sending us sunglasses saying, you're going to need these. And we stayed at the Beverly Hilton and we got little tiny Mercedes hatchback rental cars. Uh, I remember all that stuff. Then once the show launched, it was such craziness and such insanity. I don't remember that much of that part because it was just so much good stuff. And literally, someone be like, Remember the time we went to the White House and you did? And I was like, No, I have no recollection because you're so busy. And it was before I do uh, rue the day that they didn't yet invent Instagram back then, because that's really like my diary. If I go do something fun or I go to a beautiful place or I visit a gorgeous home or I see a great outfit, I will chronicle it on Instagram and that's kind of like my digital diary. And I wish I had that back in the day of like the first time I met Ellen or the time I did the country music awards with Dolly Parton. I remember bits and pieces because they're press photos, but I don't remember that much because it was crazy.
1: I mean, did it seem like almost overnight, you know, like when, you know, was your success to you like, oh, here's Ellen, here's Jay Leno. Oh my God, people recognize me walking down the street. Like, was it really overnight to you or was it kind of like just gradual as the show took off?
0: No, it was overnight. It was, and and I don't know, I know it was a good show and we were very proud of it. Um, and it was, you know, pretty groundbreaking, I guess, for its time. Um, but I don't know how, you know, back then, I guess people still watched a lot of like live television. And it just seemed like we aired like on a Tuesday night and by Thursday we were famous or something. And I was like, what? Um, So I guess different times, but yeah, it was very overnight. None of us had any idea. None of us had done television. None of us I think had even seen any of the episodes after we made them. So we had no idea if it was going to be successful and kudos to Bravo because they did a really big marketing campaign Uh, They partnered with their new owner, NBC, and did some episodes actually on NBC primetime during the summer of 2003. And I think it was the first time that, you know, a network, a big giant company bought some little networks and kind of cross-promoted them in a really effective way. So I'm sure there's some kind of marketing course at Harvard about, you know, Bravo and how they rebranded and um, really changed their destiny uh, by green-lighting shows like Queer Eye.
1: I mean, Queer Eye really was the first. You know, like, we had Inside the Actor's Studio on Bravo, but, like, you know, Queer Eye for the Strike Eye really was the first reality show on Bravo. Yeah,
0: they had, I remember they had, um, they also had a show called Boy Meets Boy, I think, which uh-huh. was very groundbreaking. That was on, I believe, right before Queer Eye. And, you know, there were commercials for, like, Boy Butter, Lubricant, and Amaretto di Serrano. Um, so it was very different times and they were really, um, uh, emerging, I guess, as a network. And
1: there was really like a feeling of like, this is going to be something. Cause you know, like TV is so fickle. Do you know what I mean? Like hindsight is 2020, you know, but you quit your day job at Ralph Lauren, you know, like you really, did you know this was going to be something epic and change
0: your life? No, I had to quit my day job when we went into production, you know, like. I think we started filming in March of 2003 and we aired in July. So in March, you know, they were like, we're going to, we finally got the green light from NBC Bravo. We're going to make this show. You need to quit your job. I was like, do you even have dental insurance? Like I was terrified. Uh, but I had the best Ooh. boss at Ralph Lauren I had the best boss at Ralph Lauren. And um, she said, you know, go do this. It sounds amazing. And if it doesn't work out, we will we'll hire you back. So that was wonderful. I did not think it was going to change my life. I thought it was really fun. I liked that I had more days off uh, to go to horse shows. I liked that I could borrow wardrobe from work. I remember like, you know, wearing cute things from Etro that I could never afford. Um, So that was all fun, but I didn't think it was going to be a career or, um, be as life changing as it was. And it was very life changing.
1: Uh yeah, I would say it was very life-changing. Um, do you keep in touch with all those guys like on a regular basis? Who? Do you all, all the no, I'm kidding? Oh. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Uh seriously I mean, I've lost my sense of humor here today, Carson.
0: It's probably just the headphones, don't you worry. Um a lot of people ask, you know, oh, do you still keep in touch with the other guys that were your castmates on Queer Eye? And I say, you know, absolutely, because it was such it was like uh, going to college and you have like your best college buddies. We did, you know, four years or five seasons, I guess, um, of this incredible roller coaster ride that was so different from anything any of us had ever done, that it was a very bonding experience. So we all went through it together and we're like, oh my God, we have to go on Ellen. We don't know what we're doing. Or uh, oh my gosh, we're supposed to fly on this private plane and do this uh cable awards presentation for the network and we've never done this before so we went through so many firsts together we're very bonded we have a thread on our messages that you know anytime anything really newsworthy for any of us happens a message comes across that group chat so that's fun and uh you know i've done other shows i did um a show for bravo with tom felicia called get a room um I see Jay in LA all the time. I just talked to Kyan about something. He's in Florida. Um, and Ted, um, sometimes we interface with some Food Network stuff. So yeah, I see them a lot and I talk to them a lot.
1: Well, what was Bravo like back then? Like an Andy, you know, like Andy wasn't like on air talent. You know, he came like, I think in your second year, you know, so like there was always this rumor that like Andy wanted to be the sixth queer eye. What was it like back then?
0: Right. Andy joined after Queer Eye. I think it was, you know, we were, I I think we were in our second season and I remember vividly um, him arriving on set as a new executive Um, and we were at spring training for the Boston Red Sox. And he's such a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I think he had a Cardinals hat on. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, We're going to get beat up in here. And um, that's when he joined. And I think, you know, kept that momentum going with, um, you know, pop culture staples, like bringing on, I think the housewives were like his first um, year there and um, a lot of different shows
1: like Tabitha and millionaire matchmaker and all that stuff came right, right. out. To you
0: guys. Yeah. Yeah. I well, think, they, I think yeah. they originally said like, you know, they were taking a lot of the queer eye silos, like fashion, beauty, food design And spinning them off into different, you know, shows like Project Runway, Tabitha's Salon Takeover, uh, Top Chef, uh, all of those, I think, uh, allegedly came from like the success of Queer Eyes. Um, I think the reaction of Bravo viewers, like liking all of those things, food, fashion, design, beauty. And then Housewives, I think, came after that.
1: I think so, too. And I mean, really, I think Queer Eye kind of is the show that launched all of this. That's how I see it. Well, you did a bunch of TV after Queer Eye. Yes. And is this true? Because this is what I heard somewhere.
0: Did you lose Celebrity Jeopardy by $1? I did. I did. I played Celebrity Jeopardy, which is so daunting because like, you don't want to look like a dummy. And uh, it was at Radio City Music Hall. And I played with Regis Philbin and Nancy Grace. And I I knew Regis from being on live with Kelly and Regis. I didn't know Nancy Grace at the time. I got to know her later doing Dancing with the Stars. And um, my buzzer was so hot during like the practice round and I was like answering all the questions. I was like, oh, I'm gonna kill this. And then the game started, and like my buzzer like wasn't working. I was like, did they turn this off? And I don't know if they do that, but it felt like they did. And then I finally caught up. and then the last question, um, which is like final Jeopardy, and it's, you know, the hardest question supposedly of the show the category, they reveal the category and then they um, come back from commercial break and they let you make your bid and you can risk all of your money. I had like $7,500 or something. The category was, wait for it, women in sports. And I was like, I is there anything I know less about women and sports together? It's um, seriously. So, so I was like, I better like, you know, just be very um, cautious with my money. And I don't know why I chose my particular wager, but I, it left me with like, you know, like, I don't know, like 3500 and, and like 35, 3499 or something left in my bank. And um, then the question was, what famous um, LGBT uh, tennis female tennis pro Uh, was recently honored by having the U.S. Tennis Center in Queens, New York, named after her. And I was like, oh, my God, I know this. It's Billie Jean King. Um, So I do know a little bit about tennis and I know a little bit about lesbians. So I was like, I got this. Uh, But I didn't bet enough. And Regis won by like I had three thousand four hundred ninety nine and he had three thousand five hundred. I don't know. I don't know what happened to Nancy Grace. She was having a hard day.
1: Of all the questions to have it be about Billie Jean, right? Because, I mean, right, you hear women in sports, you're like, there's 0% chance I'm going to get this even close.
0: Totally. I had no idea, but, you know, the Jeopardy! gods were smiling on me, or it was just, you know, irony 101, like, of of the highest degree.
1: Well, speaking of Nancy Grace and Dancing with the Stars, where does that fall, like, on the level of difficult things that you've done in your career?
0: Oh, gosh. It, you know, it was really hard when I was doing it. And anybody who does Dancing with the Stars, it looks difficult on screen. And they show you, like, practicing and messing up all week and the nerves. And, and when I did it, I think there was, like, I think they had, like, 19 million viewers. And, like, you're standing on the stage and there's, like, a spotlight on you. And the guy goes, next up, dancing the cha-cha-cha, Carson Chrisley and his partner Anna of trouble, Skaya. And you're just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But... The flip side is that, and I wasn't very good. I'm not a talented dancer. I'm not good with like, I'm not good at math. And there's actually math in dancing. It's like one, two, three. I was like, wait, there's numbers here? No. Uh, Choreography was hard for me, but I loved the costumes. I loved the people that worked on the show. I loved the other celebrities. And um, that part became very, very fun for me. It's one of my fondest TV memories and, um, you know, I'm friends with a lot of those people, Kim Herjavec, uh, I was in her wedding. I'm the godfather to her twins. Um, so I have lifelong friends. Um, she met her husband on dancing with the stars. Um, it's a pretty magical, um, place and it's a show that's been on, you know, it's I think 30 seasons now. And, um, it, it was a cottage industry for me because then I, hosted the live show in Vegas for a little bit. They did a bunch of cruises. Um, I've been to Alaska like 50 times. Thank you, Dancing with the Stars. Um, but it was really, it was a 100% positive experience, even though it was so hard. Seeing your friends with Kim, you have the hookup on Shark Tank now.
1: Like if you ever,
0: you I know. I do. You- I do. I have to invent like a new, like, you know, pump that looks like a sneaker. Um uh, reboot. Oh, it's it could be a boot, actually. Looks like a boot feels like a sneaker. Oh, done. I'm pitching it tomorrow. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
1: I take my beauty and skincare products very seriously. And not only do I want my beauty and skincare products to work, but I want them to smell good. And that's where I've had problems in the past, where I've used fragrance beauty products. Now, the problem is a lot of them have toxic ingredients, which it's not just that they're toxics. It causes a negative reaction on your skin. I have broken out. I found that that I'm allergic to a lot of products. And that is where my problem lies. Well, let me tell you something. I've discovered Lather. Lather offers daily natural skincare and wellness that help you feel real. All made with zero synthetic fragrance. They smell delicious and they're not toxic. I'm a regular user of their Cactus Flower and Aloe Gentle Face Scrub. It's gentle, but it's effective. It makes my skin feel so soft and radiant, and it kind of shines. At night, I use the Radiant Recovery Sheet Mask. I find that I wake up kind of glowing. The products work, they smell amazing, and they're made with zero synthetic fragrance. What more could you want? Now, you as a listener of this podcast can get 15% off your order with code VELVET. At Lather.com slash Velvet. That's Lather.com slash Velvet. Use code Velvet for 15% off. I mean, you've done so much other reality TV. You might as well make an appearance on Shark Tank.
0: I know I should. I saw they have, um, I think Kevin Hart is on it this season.
1: He is, and he's doing a great job, too. Is he? I haven't seen that one yet. What was harder, Dancing with the Stars or Celebrity Apprentice?
0: Um... Dancing with the Stars was less intense actually, if you can believe that, because for me it was like, I'm so terrible. I'm just gonna have cute costumes and have a great time. And I did very campy things, which I loved, You know, campy outfits and storylines. And it was very creative, I thought. Uh, Celebrity Apprentice uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, because it was like their reboot after the whole Trump debacle um, with NBC. And um, um, it was really hard, but I was good at it. So it was a different kind of, it was intense. I remember like my feet hurting. I remember not sleeping much. I remember like being terrorized, like not wanting to lose. Um, and um, just weird things like you would, you would be planning like a gigantic event. and They're like, your furniture didn't arrive. I was like, honey, I used to sleep with the manager of this hotel I talked to him this morning, the furniture's in the basement, what's next? Um, so I was I was not easily rattled on there, and I did really well, and I almost won. And um, I thought we did a great, um, we did some great work.
1: You did do good on there.
0: Thank you.
1: And you run with such a great
0: cast, too, like Boy George. Boy George, Matt Eisman, who's so smart. He's a doctor in real life. He doesn't just do... Uh, uh, ninja warrior and um brooke burke was really good and uh who else oh portia williams and i got to work at the the seas candy factory together which was really fun Kyle um, richards Kyle richards who i adore who i met doing that um uh who's the guy from uh, uh not deaf leopard um vince neal oh yeah uh, Um, And you you were with Snooky too. And Snooky. So people I would have never met, like I've been to Vince Neal's house several times, you know, and I'm just like, hell, if the kids on the back of the school bus in 1987 that called me Lovey Howell were here, um, they would be very envious. So um, I think that's the fun thing about doing some of these like celebrity reality shows is that they throw you into a mix of people you probably haven't met and never would. Totally. Well, listen, we love seeing, you know, you with housewives.
1: Are you shocked at like what Bravo's become? You know, I mean, like it started with, you know, the house that queer eye kind of introduced to the world, but like, it's the house that housewives built. I mean, are you ever shocked at like this network that you were a part of in the beginning is now just this thing?
0: Well, you know, they've always been really good. I think at being, um, the pop culture network. And I know other networks have kind of tried to like claim that space. And I think Bravo really does a great job with that. And they've always had very pop culture um, centric shows that people talk about water cooler television. And I think um, that Housewives continues that kind of branding. And um, we're all um, captivated by it. If you're not a Housewives fan, all you have to do is watch an episode of a housewife show and you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I'm I'm obsessed. I want to know everything. And you just, you get drawn in. It's, it's, it's the modern day soap opera, I guess.
1: Do you watch any like, listen, I know you're
0: really busy, but like, do you watch housewives? Okay. Here's the deal for some reason. And I do, I do watch. Yes. But for a long time I hadn't watched some of them, but I just, I became friends with so many of the housewives just from like living in New York. So I would run into Luann in the Hamptons and like, we, we actually flew on a plane together and became friends. And I was like, oh my God, I have to watch the show. Started watching the show, became friends with her, was friends with Dorinda for, for other reasons, was friends with, um, uh, Bethany, because I had been on her talk show a bunch of times. I knew her from the early Bravo days. So I kind of knew all those women, And people would say, oh, my gosh, you see what this one did or that one did? I was like, no, I just know them. um, And we're just kind of friends. Uh, Beverly Hills. I just, you know, I did a show with Garcelle. I did a show with Kyle. um, Who else is on there? Uh, Lisa Rinna, I've known for forever. I just saw a picture of her and I like hugging like 20 years ago. Her hair is exactly the same and perfect. I had hair. Um, So I just know a lot of them. Um, but I enjoy watching him. I enjoyed Atlanta. I enjoy Beverly. I would have to say I enjoy Beverly Hills and New York the most, I guess, because I know people.
1: What's the best thing about like hanging out with Countess Luann?
0: Oh, um, you know, the thing I really think is great about her is she really um, understands who she is and she kind of does it on purpose And she, you know, always looks great. She understands her body. Like, she just gets it. Like, she's a very confident, um, uh, successful woman who just has a great um, vibe about her. I really, and I know people have all kinds of opinions, but as a friend, I enjoy her.
1: I, too, have had many interactions with the Countess Luann. And, I mean, I think she's quite lovely as well. A doll. It is totally classy, no pun intended. And I I think she gets it as well. I, I actually agree. Yeah. Well, you are a fashion expert. So what would you say is the difference between, you know, say the New York Housewives fashion and the Beverly Hills Housewives fashion?
0: Oh, this is gonna get me in trouble. Um, and I've done these things on Watch What Happens Live where they're like, oh, break this outfit. I think that um uh the New York Housewives um and I'm trying it I'm I don't think of them as much as I love, I love Luann and I think she always presents herself in a very consistent way that always looks great. Like she knows who she is and she dresses accordingly and it always works. Um, uh, some of the others maybe are a little bit more like hit or miss. LA, um, Beverly Hills is a lot about labels. Like New York you'd think would be more about shopping because honestly, As a fashion guru, I enjoy, you know, there's no better shopping in the United States than in New York City. And you have access to everything, including, you know, runway shows, including all of the best, you know, uh, PR houses that have all the samples that work with people. So New York should be better dressed. But Beverly Hills is really into the labels and the fashion, especially Dorit. And I've been criticized for criticizing Dorit. I love her. I think she's fantastic. Um, I'm just not a fan of when it's a look head to toe, like it's all from Versace or it's all from Dior. Um, I like when you mix it up and you, um, create your own look. I think that's how you express your personal style. So, um, there have been people when they say who's the best dress, everyone says, Oh, it's gotta be Dorit. And for me, no, it's, it's people that, you know, put their own spin on it.
1: Who is then your best dressed housewife?
0: Um, actually, one of the best dressed people in that genre is not on Housewives. It's um, Christine Chu from Bling Empire. She has got the most exquisite taste and the most beautiful clothing. And she is going to be a guest judge on our episode of RuPaul's Drag Race this week. And she was so knowledgeable like quoting like, oh, this is very Muclair. There was a 2006 runway show. I was like, bitch, are you coming after my job? Because Shit. she was so good, so knowledgeable. And she is just very chic. Bling
1: Empire was literally one of the best things ever. Yeah, everyone
0: everyone loved that show. And I, I I, hope there's more coming. I don't know about like what's happening there.
1: It is. It's definitely coming back. It's it's. Dorothy Wang, you know, do you remember that show, Rich Kids at Beverly Hills? It was on E! with Morgan Stewart. She now hosts Daily Pop. It's definitely coming back. And Dorothy Wang is going to be on it also, which is going to be freaking epic.
0: With Christine?
1: With Christine, Christine and Dorothy. I mean, it's not announced yet about Dorothy, but, you know, that's the rumor. And it's uh, it's true. I mean, come on.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Chris- Christine. Christine's the real deal.
1: What do you think of Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset? Do you know her? She's a fashion girl.
0: No, I don't know her. I've seen that show just a couple times and I wasn't like, I wasn't buying it. Um, So I was like, I kind of like was like, mm, no, this isn't for me. I did like selling the Hamptons though.
1: Well, that show is back now too.
0: Yeah. And there were some hot guys on that too, which is always nice.
1: Look, there's nothing wrong with a few hot guys on a reality TV show, right? What were you not buying with selling Sunset?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance. It didn't seem as, um, it didn't seem authentic to me. Like it felt maybe like it was like set up and, um, I think maybe I might've possibly worked with one of the agents on a different uh, project and they weren't even a realtor at that point. And I was like, wait a minute here. So I was just, I wasn't sure. I was unsure about it, Interesting. but it does, it does really well. And I did enjoy looking at their real estate, you know, there's um, yeah. There are some shows about like, you know, you know, million dollar properties. And then sometimes they're, you know, not as million y as you want them to be.
1: Exactly. Well, now you have me wondering who this is that you worked on on this other show from Selling Sunset that wasn't a real estate agent at the time, you didn't think was really a real real estate agent. So, all right, I'm gonna have to investigate that, Carson. But anyway, what do you think is the worst-dressed housewives franchise
0: worst dressed oh gosh i'm gonna get how about
1: how about we put it a different way the one that needs the most help from you carson
0: you know what i don't watch this particular franchise and i only saw pictures from their recent reunion but i would like to go and assist salt lake city
1: you weren't impressed with the reunion looks were you um
0: i didn't think they were great looks no no i feel like they're they they're such amazing women that the the clothing didn't really match that.
1: I don't think you're along with that thought. I think it kind of crashed the internet with what people thought of those looks.
0: Yeah. I was like, did they like, are, are the stores closed there? Like what happened? Because they were just, they were kooky.
1: How would you describe your own personal style?
0: Oh, my own personal style. I mean, it's, you know, kind of all over the place, but you know, um, I think the key to personal style is having fun with it. Um, I love clothes. I love so many different designers. I love clothes that are not by designers too. Um, I just like to, you know, mix it up. And I think the key, um, to looking good is wearing the right thing for the right occasion. Like I, you know, we're just having a chit chat here. I'm going to wear like a little scotch and soda, like flannel. Cause it's winter. Um, I wouldn't be sitting here like, you know, in a ball gown, like I was doing a Real Housewives reunion. You got to wear the right thing at the right time for the right occasion. And that's really the trick, uh, because you can, you know, be all head to toe and Gucci. And it's like if you're cleaning out your garage, that's the wrong outfit. So it's just wear the right thing at the right time.
1: Now, of course, you know, Doreen would wear head to toe Beaumont or Louis or uh, Gucci to clean out her uh, garage, though. Absolutely. And that'd be very fitting for her. Anyone who knows me knows that I get bored so very easily. And that extends to every aspect of my life, including my workouts. I find the best way to stay motivated is to have variety in my workouts. And that's why I love Peloton. The variety really does help keep me motivated. You can do a bike workout, then you can do yoga, meditation, dance cardio. I'm actually really good at dance cardio, guys, if you can believe that. And there's a whole new artist series class where you can listen to music from one single artist. I choose Madonna more times than not, but you can also do a theme like pop or rock, hip hop, EDM. Peloton has everything. And Peloton has a workout for every day, every schedule. You can de-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength, or 20 minutes of cardio, or a 15-minute total body class before work or after work. It's great. Listen, visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's OnePeloton.com to learn more.
0: Um, and it would be very funny.
1: Well, you know who else is giving us head to toe one brand these days is uh, Miss Fancy Pants Dubrow on the OC. It's all Fendi. It's Fendi everything. bags, shoes, pants, headband. I mean, I'm not criticizing. I, mean, I think she looks great, but it's all Fendi. Oh,
0: yeah. And I was, um, uh, I'm glad that she's back, actually. She's also, she reminds me of Luann. Like, she's very, like, she's strong. She's confident. Her opinions are what they are. Um And she doesn't really look for other people's approval. I think that's great.
1: I'm kind of loving her being back as well. What about celebrities? Like you've covered every red carpet that there is to cover. Do you have like a favorite award show?
0: Um, Well, it's always the Oscars. I think that the Oscars are like really the Super Bowl of style. And I love covering them. And I covered them for years for Oprah And I got to, you know, go to the Oscars and sit on the stage the next day and be there with, um, you know, the top, you know, uh, best actor, best actress, best supporting, best supporting actor. So I was on stage with Chris Walls and uh, 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 everybody, basically all the winners. It was so fun. And then when Oprah stopped, I started doing it for Live with Kelly. And I still get to usually go. We haven't gone in a couple of years because of the pandemic. Uh, but to me, that's, you know, that's the height of, of glamour. It's the biggest show in town.
1: Well, when I think of red carpets, I think of, you know, first and foremost, Melissa and Joan. So, like, what did you think of Melissa and Joan Rivers?
0: Yeah, I was on Fashion Police several times. Um, Joan Rivers uh, was so special to me. And we got to work together a lot at QVC. And she would always, you know, literally take me into her, you know, that, crux of her arm and and give me pearls of wisdom like you know listen if they send a car get in it like you know we're talking about like oh this is kind of like it was like a lame day or something for something we were doing and she's like listen just get in the car when they send a car and so many things and I went to see a psychic once and they're like Joan Rivers is your like guardian angel I was like what I'm so lucky so I love Joan I love Melissa and um you know, they were doing a very groundbreaking thing because, you know, before them, I think it was all very like polite society, like, oh, you look lovely. People wouldn't even, you know, it would have been rude to even ask, like, who are you wearing? That was too, that was too gauche and too, you know, invasive, but they changed the game and people, they asked the questions that people wanted to know, where did you get that who made this oh my gosh how much was that how many carrots is that diamond you could choke a horse with it like that that era uh will never be again i don't think because you know no one can do it like joan could um so it's very very different now um and also like the the red carpets are very different now back then a lot of celebrities were left to their own devices and they would shop and pick out a beautiful gown and they would just dress themselves and then probably somewhere around bjork wearing the swan dress people were like oh you should probably get a stylist and there are so many amazing stylists stylists out there michaela erlinger and so many talented people and they do such a fabulous job now no one really makes mistakes so there aren't big, like, fashion snafus that Joan and Melissa would have had a field day with. It's a little more tame. And I have to say, even the past couple Oscars, and of course, because of the pandemic, things were a little more toned down last year. But in general, even pre-pandemic, I think the clothes got a little safe. Do you miss the mistakes? Like, do you miss the swan dress? Yeah, of course, because those are things we talk about. Those are pop culture moments. And they they give the carpet a sense of levity and vitality. And I'm not saying people are laughing at it, but it's just not everyone needs to look the same, which is very, very refreshing.
1: And was that the best advice that Joan Rivers ever gave you? You know, that if there's a car coming, darling, just get in it.
0: Um, Yeah, she gave me lots of great advice. Um, And I think just listening to her over the years of being a mensch, you know, like showing up, doing the work, enjoying it. Buy a Fabergé egg or two if you want. Uh, but she was a, was a very practical, wise, um, she's a mom, you know, so she had great advice.
1: What about like, what do you think like the current state of like red carpets is, you know, like with COVID and like you said, like it's changed and awards have changed. Like, is it changed forever? Do you think it's ever going to get back to what it was?
0: Uh, My prediction would be, um, that you know, all of us are you know sick of like doing virtual red carpets and virtual everything, and kind of having um, things been toned down. That I think that when we're through this pandemic, um, that people will reapproach fashion with more enthusiasm, not only on red carpets but even just dressing up to go into an office and dressing up to go to a restaurant. I think um, we know what that feels like, and we miss it. And I think, you know, people that love clothes and fashion or just feeling good um, yearn for those times to come back. So I'm hoping we'll have a real renaissance because, you know, it happened during the Great Plague. So let's hope it happens again.
1: I was just going to say, do you think it's going to be like like the roaring 20s where you get
0: dressed like to the nines just to go to like the grocery store? That would be great. I don't think that's going to happen, but. I did actually talk to somebody who knows a lot about money and they were like, Oh, we, you know, if we can get past this, it will be like the roaring twenties. And I was like, let's hope.
1: What about, do you see any trends in fashion? Like, you know, any trends, anything on the horizon?
0: You know, I do, you know, there haven't been a lot of runway shows just because of what's been going on. But I think the overall trend Um, that I see is like, you know, we were already headed to like, you know, this like wear sweatpants all the time uh, world. Now I literally just saw a thing on the Today Show. I think it was like yesterday. It was like, how to wear sweatpants everywhere you go. And I was like, no, don't do that, stop. So I do see the overall trend is like, people are really, you know, athleisure is like the only clothes that people are interested in. Uh the my only hope is that like maybe like now I see like lots of luxury at leisure. Brands like um Henro and um Montclair and um even you know uh Peter Millar and um you know major brands Brun- Brunello, Cuccinelli. they're all doing like these very luxurious, like beautiful nylon jackets a nylon sport coat, very Prada in 1991 with like a skinny jogger, like pants. That's not cheap. You know, it's like a $300, like, you know, Italian wool and silk pants. But I do see that as a major trend, like athlete, athleisure, 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 unfortunately.
1: Shout out for athleisure wear. What about like when it comes to like just celebrities, like who is you know, who comes to your mind is like best dressed, male, female, like who
0: just always gets it right? Um, I think Zendaya is like what I love about her and she's styled by Law Roach. Um, first of all, she's gorgeous, so she can basically wear anything. Um, but I like that she's out there like taking chances and pushing different designers and looking really sexy and um, taking some risks, but always looking incredible. Um, I love um for guys, you know, people always ask, like, who are the guys that look great? I'm like, the guys play it so safe and they wear like a brioni tux and they call it a day, and that's great. George Clooney has never not looked good ever. Brad Pitt has never not looked good ever. Um, but I think somebody that has some fun with it that really has style, um, I think of like Lenny Kravitz, for example, like he understands clothes and loves them, and you can tell that he gets it and he kind of does it himself because it always looks very authentic to him.
1: I got nothing wrong with the little Lenny Kravitz. I, I see no. nothing wrong with
0: that. He's
1: a dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. Let's talk season 14 of Drag Race. Here we are. Yeah.
0: Yes, here we are. We, um, we've seen two episodes now and uh, we've met all of the contestants and, you know, there's so much diversity there. We have our first... Um, cisgendered heterosexual male contestant, um, who I thought thus far has been doing really well, uh, and and it's a really interesting, lovely story. Um, seeing that dynamic of how somebody wants to do something um, like drag, which is not um, something a lot of straight guys do, and him being embraced by the cast and by the show, and saying you know, drag is a place where everyone gets to play with all the different crayons in the crayon box. And, um, it's also been a very diverse and inclusive, uh, art form. So it makes sense. And I think it's been really great. So that's been interesting. Um, what, who are you liking?
1: I love Maddie Morphosis just for that reason. I think it's so interesting that there is, I mean, look, we've had, Look, I think drag race has been great with diversity inclusion. We've had like trans men, trans women. I think it was about time we had a straight cisgender male that
0: does drag. Right. Like Maddie can't be the only person in the whole world. Right. 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 And, you know, maybe he'll inspire other guys that wanted to do drag that didn't feel comfortable doing it. So that that's the power of visibility and inclusion on television is that people see themselves and they say, wait a minute, if they can do it, I can do it.
1: What about when people, because listen, you all know there's this online community, there's people have an opinion on everything. You know, what mm-hmm. about, because it has been somewhat controversial in the sense that people are like, we don't want a straight guy on, on Drag Race. We don't want that. Then there's like, I mean, I'm not saying that. Don't look at mm-hmm. me. And then there's people, especially like when when Rue announced this, now that was the whole controversy, like, why did RuPaul announce this? Like you shouldn't have announced someone's sexuality. So like, I have no problem with any of this, but like, what do you say to that? Like when people are like, this is a place not really for the streets.
0: You know, I say that, you know, think of it as a party. Uh, You know, it's always more fun when you have a variety of people. And my motto has always been the more the merrier. So, you know, and uh, it's a competition. So just, you know, it, we shouldn't be concerned about who's doing it. Let's just be concerned about who's doing it well and make sure that they're recognized.
1: That's a good point. Has there ever been someone that like won, or someone that you really thought should have won, and you're just like, oh, like for me, like not taking anything away from anyone, but I love Got Nick. Like Got Nick is one of my favorites of all time. You know where you're just like, oh, I'm so upset. This person. Do you ever have those moments? You know, you can keep them to yourself, but like
0: where you're no. just like, honestly, not really, because when we usually when we um, uh, get down to the top three, it's usually like kind of like anybody could win for a variety of reasons. It's just, you know, they all tick different boxes. Um, So um, no, I don't think there's ever been a time where I was just like, gosh, I was disappointed by that. Um, I love um, I, you know, I love when people come back for all stars and maybe What I have thought while judging is like, gosh, this person could win this like in a year or two. They just haven't like hosted enough club gigs to like really know how to command a stage or they just haven't quite figured out what their brand is or they just haven't quite figured out their clothes. And then they come back like two or three years later and they've been out there. They've been working. They were on the show. So they get booked now and they're everywhere And they have more access to, you know, maybe better stylists or helpers in the costume field. Or maybe they just get better makeup or whatever. And they come back and they kill it. And I'm just like, oh, yes, this is like vindication. Like, I have those moments a lot.
1: What about, is there ever someone that, like, stands out that maybe went home too early? Like, not that should have won, but just you think it's like, this is such an underrated queen. Like, this queen is just you know, just maybe didn't perform well her season and is gone. Right? right.
0: Oh, there's, there's so many like that actually, because, you know, it is the the first week or two of the competition are really hard. Everyone's getting their, their bearings. You, if you've not done reality TV before you're like, wait, I'm going to be up like 12 hours a day. And someone's always going to be following me. Like there's a lot of reasons why you may not bring your a game those first couple of weeks. Um, Someone like Vanjie, I mean, she like left and said, Miss Vanjie became like this like internet, you know, uh, breaking moment and has come back. She's so talented and, um, has so many fans. So she's kind of the poster child, um, for someone who left early, but still wound up slaying the game and came back on an all-stars and showed us, or actually came back one season later, um, and showed us what she's got. Are you ever shocked, like, I
1: live in New York, I go to L.A. a lot, you know, like, I have seen some of, like, the top queens and like, the biggest cities, you know, but it always shocks me, like, how are we on season 14, like, you know, see, how are we going to have a season 15 and season 16, like, are you ever shocked that, like, just when you think, you know, the most interesting, novel new queens have, like, come through the whole thing, like, the casting, I mean, like, you, Rue, everyone who's involved in casting, like, Are you ever shocked that like so many new, interesting, phenomenal queens are just brought every season? Like, I mean, I think we'd run out of queens eventually.
0: Well, we have a great casting company and they've won Emmys for it. And they've helped um, the producers and Rue who, you know, hand select these people. But they help kind of field that team. And um, they're really good at it. And I think also the show being so popular, it's created maybe more drag queens people. Um, are more into it or maybe just, you know, discovered it. Um, So I'm always impressed by, you know, if we have like an 18 year old queen on who was like, uh, I started doing drag because I watched season like nine. I was like nine. I was like, what? That was only like five years ago. Um, So there's, you know, that's the other thing that I think keeps the show so fresh is that we always have a fresh crop of new queens. And if you're like me, and, and you're out and about, um, I'm always discovering new queens as well. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you need to try out for drag race. And they may be like young and new and they're like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do it. I was like, well, keep trying out. Like, you know, just eventually one day it's going to click.
1: Absolutely. Well, you've also done some acting. The perfect man. I mean, I have to, were you in scenes with La La Like, I, do you? I-
0: You had scenes with Heather? I I never did a scene with Heather Locklear. Um, And looking back on that, I do remember that really well. It was like 2004 or five. We filmed it in Toronto with Chris Noth um, and uh, uh, Heather Locklear, Hilary Duff, Kim Whitley, um, uh, Christine... It'll come to me. Uh, But we had a great time making that movie, but I never, ever worked with Locklear and I don't think I ever even saw her on set. And people will always say, how is that possible? I did a Christmas movie for Hallmark with Carrie Fisher. I never, ever saw her. I wasn't in any scenes with her and she just wasn't there the days that I was there. So it happens a lot.
1: It does. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I just need to know if you had a scene with Miss Heather Locklear.
0: I mean, no, no. And I was such a fan of Heather Locklear, obviously from you, like TJ Hooker. And she was on Dynasty, for God's sake. Um, And Melrose Place. But I know I never got to see her.
1: Melrose Place was the best. Yes, I've had Donna Mills on this podcast. And I saw when she posted the thing about they're doing that thing in Palm Springs. You made a comment. So you're obviously a Knott's Landing fan as well.
0: I'm a huge Knott's Landing fan. I loved it. I loved all of the women. Um, I love talking. I I haven't talked to Donna Mills. Oh, you know who I talk to sometimes on Instagram? The of the same Oov is Morgan Fairchild from, from Flamingo Road. That's a good one. Yeah. And she's so smart and, you know, like an amateur epidemiologist So she had so many words of wisdom about um, the pandemic. So she's a good one to follow. But when is the Donna Mills... Knott's Landing reunion in Palm Springs. I think it's like
1: March or something. I, I looked it up and then I have a friend. I mean, I'm sure you can call someone and get in. I have a friend who knows Donna Mills and I'm like, no, you like, you need to actually pick up the phone and make this call. Cause like, I really want to go to this. Yeah. And it's like three days later this. and I'm like, no, no, no. Like you actually have to like really do this. Like I really want to be there. It's the
0: thing, yeah, right? No, I, I want to go as well. And I think I probably looked up the date when I saw it and, it's, you know, I'm probably like, I think I remember being like booked on something else and uh, ruining the day that I was going to miss it. But Michelle Lee is going to be there and Joan Van Ark. So you got the three biggies.
1: You don't need anything else. But what's it like? How much fun do you have? What's it like hanging out with Lisa Rinna?
0: Um, Well, I haven't hung out with her lately, but we um, she's very involved in a charity that I'm involved with called Project Angel Food. And they deliver hot meals to people living with critical illness in and around Los Angeles County. And um, they always have a great event. And I always see her there. And um, we always have a great time uh, catching up. And if I just see her, she's, she's just like a, like a family member or an old friend. Like, you know, you just um, always have a lovely time and she always knows who you are. And she's just divine.
1: This is the role that she was born to play. Absolutely.
0: She's what? so good at it. Uh, you know, this is when we thought all the drama was happening with Denise Richards um, when they all went to, like, where were they? In Italy or something, skiing? It was, like, some trip. Yeah. Was it Italy? I think it was Italy, yeah. And they had that big showdown at dinner, and Garcelle was defending Denise. And that's when we thought it was all, you know, so much drama. We had no idea what was coming down the pike. Um, with Erica Jane and all of that, which I'm still very unsure of.
1: You are? I mean, just like I'm,
0: with what she knows and what she doesn't know. I mean, it's definitely very unsavory. And, you know, uh, defrauding victims of a plane crash is like, does it get any worse? Um, but I don't really, I, I feel like we just don't know the full story yet. I, all these reunion answers just didn't seem complete the reunion was pretty harsh though right yeah it was it was i i um again it's hard to feel bad for somebody who potentially may have defrauded victims but i did feel bad for her at least andy did come ready to ask what we want asked he did he did yeah it's, that's a hard job um to be that direct um so kudos to him for you know handling it so beautifully I guess.
1: Yeah. What about the new queer eye that's now back on? Yeah. When that started, like, did you get calls from Tan and the other guys asking for advice?
0: Yeah. We um, uh, we didn't get calls from them, I don't think. The producers of the original show uh, called all of us and said, Hey, this reboot is happening. And I was like, Oh, when do we start? And they're like, No, Newcast. So I was like, What? Um, and they said, uh, We're going to do like a press shoot, I think. And we did a press event with the Newcast. And we went to the premiere um, with the new cast and we had drinks and like dinner the night before. And they got to, you know, ask us questions and we got to talk to them. And it was a very um, lovely handing of the baton.
1: Well, you're very busy and you joke that you said, hey, wait, when do we start? But, you know, in all seriousness, like, was any part of you like, wait, slow down? What? Like, this is my gig, honey.
0: Um you know, there's a part of you that takes immense pride in like, that was like your signature piece. So it is like, you know, taking a little baby and handing it over to somebody else. Uh, but then I think when we saw how um talented and wonderful the new cast was, um, I think we were all super comfortable with them um, taking over that mantle. I think Tan is really great. I think Anthony is so wonderful. Uh, uh and Bobby has, I've known Bobby for a long time. So it's a group of all great guys. It is a
1: group of all great guys. What about, cause like the first installment was so successful. This installment is so successful. Like, what do you think it is about Queer Eye that just,
0: you know, we have yeah. such a
1: span of this many years and it yeah. it's just still as successful.
0: I think at the core it's, you know, kindness and, um, People that um, may seem very, very different, helping somebody else who seems very, very different, actually finding that common ground. And I think that's the, the secret sauce, maybe, um, as to why it's done so well in both iterations.
1: Well, you know, listen, like, you've also written books. You've done so much in this business. But, you know, is there anything else, like, you know, that's on your list in the business that, like, you still want to accomplish? Like, you know, just, like, an area of the business, like, that you haven't done yet.
0: Um, Chippendale's. I mean, I don't really want to do the dancing. I just want to be there.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you could have, like, a little mini Vegas residency. Yeah, with like you they, and...
0: they used to do, like, celebrity Chippendales. Remember, like, Ian Ziering from 90210 did it. And, and Jeff Timmons people. from 98 Degrees. Right. And um, Joey Lawrence did it. So well, that's I, a good one. Oh, my, my phone's ringing. Hello? Oh, it's Chippendales. Yeah. Of course I'm available. I'll bring a bow tie. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. I guess it's happening.
1: Listen, I'm just helping you get gigs here, Carson. I'm just putting it out into the world.
0: You're so good. You should be my agent.
1: But also before we go, you know, like I've seen you on the True Colors tour with like Cindy Lauper, like you've done, you know, you are like as a self-respecting gay man myself, like you've done so much for the community. You're such a great activist. You're such a
0: great face in the community. So, you know, thank you for that. You're welcome. I, that always makes me feel so great when people say that. And I always come back saying, listen, I was just being myself and doing me. And um, that's the power of um, being out and being yourself is that people sometimes see it and they say, oh, I, you know, I can do that too. So thank you.
1: And where do you think like media is? You know, like we have this is my last question. Like we're, you know, like we yeah. have Pose now. We have Drag Race, like you said, has won so many Emmys. Like, have we come really far? Is this all good? Do we have further to go? What do you think of the state of everything?
0: I'm very proud of the television industry, especially um, for getting people out there and being visible. And I think shows like Queer Eye and Legendary and Pose and Drag Race and... um, uh, so many shows um, dancing with the stars had a same sex couple um, dancing this year it was the first time ever. So I feel like TV has always been really um, progressive in that way. Like, you know, Mary Tyler Moore being like a working woman who didn't need a man or the first show where people that were married shared a double bed um, instead of twin beds. Like TV is kind of the one that's been pushing the envelope um, and, um, leading by example and creating change in a positive way. So very proud of, um, television. Of course, we have a long way to go. um, and we just need to, you know, continue, um, to share stories of, of real people and get people, uh, in front of the camera because visibility is just, is just so important.
1: Well, thank you for your time. You know, I always like to give people a chance at the end. Like, you know, thank you for entertaining all my questions. Is there anything I didn't get to? Is there anything you want to discuss? Get off your chest. You know, the floor is all yours. If you've, if I didn't bring something up that you would like to bring
0: something up, you know, anything else you want to discuss? No, I think I'm just, I'm looking at my questions, but I think, um, I think we hit it all. That was a long, uh, juicy interview. And um, you asked great questions, so I think I'm good. Well, thanks for taking the
1: full hour. I know you're busy, so very much appreciated, Carson. Of course, anytime, thank you. Awesome, well take care, Carson, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear,